Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Welcome to our scripture. I just wanted to let you know I'm showing you today a special pre-tape that was actually originally scheduled for a different day, different set of readings, but because of technical issues, it didn't air yet. So I did want to share with you the important message of that scripture reflection. And so that's the one that we will present to you now. Brothers and sisters, welcome. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, Director of Priests for Life, and thank you for joining me for our time of prayer and scripture reading together. Let's put ourselves in God's presence and ask His blessing now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we put ourselves in Your presence. We are mindful that in You we live and move and have our being. We stand ready to forgive, and we indeed repent of our own sins lord purify us today and as we read your word now may we understand it more deeply live it more faithfully and proclaim it more effectively through christ jesus our lord amen a reading from the first book of kings jeroboam thought to himself the kingdom will return to david's house If now this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, the hearts of this people will return to their master Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me. After taking counsel, the king made two calves of gold and said to the people, You have been going up to Jerusalem long enough. Here is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he put one in Bethel and the other in Dan. This led to sin, because the people frequented those calves in Bethel and Dan. He also built temples on the high places and made priests from among the people who were not Levites. Jeroboam established a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, to duplicate in Bethel the pilgrimage feast of Judah with sacrifices to the calves he had made. And he stationed in Bethel priests of the high places he had built. Jeroboam did not give up his evil ways after this, but again made priests for the high places from among the common people. Whoever desired it was consecrated and became a priest of the high places. This was a sin on the part of the house of Jeroboam, for which it was to be cut off and destroyed from the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, the kingdom split. For reasons we talked about in recent days, for the sins that David and Solomon committed, the sons of Solomon were kings of, in the north and in the south. There was the southern kingdom of Judah. Now it was from there, ultimately, that Christ was born in the lineage of, of David. But the northern kingdom, 10 out of the 12 tribes, constituted the northern kingdoms called the kingdom of Israel. And they eventually were led into exile, never to return, led by the Assyrians. In the south, eventually there was the exile by the Babylonians, but then a remnant returned. But what we have here is a reading that talks about this rivalry 
And we have the sin of King Jeroboam, which is a uh, which is idolatry. We'll look and look at it a little more closely. But you see, the kingdom is divided, and what do we see? As we see in the annals of human history, as we see at play in the culture of death, as we see at play in our American politics today, we see the heart of the ruler overcome with lust for power and control. By the way, this doesn't just apply to politicians in the civil arena. It applies to misguided church leaders who are more interested in controlling the work of God than fostering it. So Jeroboam says, oh, we can't let the people be going down to, to, to worship in Jerusalem. See, that was in the southern kingdom. That was in Rehoboam's territory. That was Judah. He says, no, no, I want to maintain control and power here. I'm the king here of the north. Kingdom of Israel, the people need to stay with me. Control. It's the opposite of service. We have to understand, whether we have authority in the civil arena or in the church arena, or the authority you have if you're an employer, or the authority you have as a ministry leader, or the authority you have as parents over your own family. Authority is about service and advancing those whom you are serving in the ways of God. It's not about control and power for you. It's not about getting people to conform to you. It's about getting people to conform to God. Jeroboam here does exactly the reverse. And he gets the people to betray God. This is the complete reverse of what the service and authority are supposed to be all about. What does he do? This is unbelievable. He creates idols. The golden calf was not just when, when uh, in Exodus and Moses comes down from the mountain and then uh, the people have, you know, they were delaying. He, he was delaying on the mountain. God was conversing with him. And the people said, oh, Moses is delaying. We don't know what happened to him. Let's make for ourselves a calf. Now, you remember in that story, they took the gold off the rings. They put it in the furnace. And when Moses did come down and he asks his brother Aaron, whom he had left in charge, how in the world did this happen? Aaron gives the most lame excuse in human history. He says, well, they took the gold off the rings, they threw it in the furnace, and this calf came out. If you're going to make an idol, at least have the integrity to admit what you did. This calf came out. Oh yeah, all by itself. But that's the point of how silly idolatry is. Because look, King Jeroboam, says to the people, uh, the verse says, after taking counsel, okay, counsel, by the way, is not always good. Sometimes the advice we give to each other is, 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 is leading us into sin rather than into, into virtue. After taking counsel, bad counsel, the king made, there's the key word there, made two calves of gold. And then, and then he put, I want to emphasize three, three sentences here, three verbs, he made the calves. He put one in one city and one in another. And then later on, it, it, it refers back to the calves. He had made and he stationed. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is, how can these be your God if you made them? How can they be the force that saved you from slavery if you put them 
in one place or another. You are obviously over them. They're not your God. They're your creation. They're your product. You don't make a God. That's against the very definition of a God. God made you. You don't put a God in one place or in another. There's another uh, passage in the Old Testament about idolatry which mocks the mocks the idolater. He, he, he's carving wood and then he takes from the worthless shavings of the wood uh, the remnants of it, basically garbage, and makes out of it some kind of, 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 of uh, carving of something in nature, an animal, and, and then puts it on the wall. And lest it fall down, he has to hammer it to the wall. And then he says, oh, this is your God. The mocking is clear and it has good rationale. You don't make a God. A God makes you. And the one Lord God, the true God, made us all. So this is a sin of idolatry. And it's further a sin of murder. It's false worship, violates the first commandment, you shall have no gods besides me. But then, notice what's being said here. He built temples on the high places. Now these These golden calves, in this instance with Jeroboam, were likely images of Baal. And the high places, as we've seen before, are places where they practiced this child sacrifice to demons. A form of abortion. Killing of a child. Not in the womb in this case, but out of the womb. But nevertheless, the killing of a child. Child sacrifice. Sacrifices, sacrifices to the calves he had made. We take from this, brothers and sisters, the clear lesson to avoid idolatry. We may not be making calves. We may be making ideas. We may be making arguments. We may be forming opinions. We have those in our midst. They're not building the high places in Bethel and Dan and appointing priests, they're building and funding abortion clinics and bringing in abortionists. This is the evil of our times, which constitutes idolatry. Now, when we see these various states introducing ballot initiatives to say, notice the word that is used. This is very telling because it goes right to the heart of this reading, right to the heart of idolatry. When you see the efforts being made in various states now by the abortion industry to impose on the state constitutions an unlimited right to abortion, they use the word enshrine. He built temples on the high places, put the calves there, brought in the consecrated priests. It's a shrine. Those who practice idolatry use the words of religion. Could the abortion movement be any more blatant and in your face about what they're doing? A right to abortion, to acknowledge that, is idolatry. They are enshrining abortion in the state constitutions. First of all, we shouldn't be using and repeating and reinforcing their language when we talk about these things. But enshrine is a a sacred word talking about setting aside and honoring something that in itself is also sacred, 
Abortion is the opposite of sacred. It's sacrilegious. It's the opposite of embodying in, in the image of God. It is destroying the image of God. It's idolatry. It's a violation not only of the fifth commandment. Understand this, brothers and sisters. When we oppose abortion and we say, oh, it's, of course, thou shalt not kill. It's against the fifth commandment. Yes, it is. It's also against the first commandment. You shall have no other gods besides me. That means God decides who lives, who dies. That means creation and human life in particular are His possession. And if we take it upon ourselves to decide that we can sacrifice those lives, we're putting ourselves in His place. We're stealing from Him. We're making ourselves into gods. Let this reading be a lesson then. Let this reading be, a, be an inspiration to us to reject ever more firmly every and any kind of idolatry in thought, word, and deed. And let us indeed enshrine life. Let us enshrine the sacred lives of the most vulnerable, the unborn. Let us thereby give worship to the true God. Amen. Father, we come before you with deep repentance for anything that we have done or failed to do. Lord, sometimes we fail to raise our voices for the unborn. We fail to raise our voices for true worship. We fail to raise our voices against the evils in our midst. Lord, give us, give us deep repentance and give us deep resolve today to continue our mission of promoting and defending life. We pray now for all the intentions of our viewers we pray now for our country, for our leaders, for this election, for our church, for the unborn. And we pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. We're just finishing up today our meeting of national pro-life leaders right here at our headquarters. Thanks for your ongoing prayers for the success of these meetings. We're building unity and strategy within the pro-life movement. You'll hear more about the results of these meetings in the weeks to come. God bless you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. 
we have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.